0: this is my journey inspired one story at a time a library of leaders was created it began as a journey to learn as time went on it began to grow all it needed was a platform and this podcast was created to listen to inspire to share i am a storyteller and this is my journey Welcome to another episode of Profiles in Leadership. I'm your host, Steve Anderson, and just over a year ago, I interviewed leaders who were thrown into an unparalleled position of leading their companies during a global pandemic. No one had a strategic plan or a contingency plan for this unprecedented event. They had to make decisions on the fly and had no idea how long this would last, and many had real concerns that their businesses would even survive. That program was released on March 24, 2020. It was episode 62. If you want to go back and listen to the concern and the fear in their voices, I thought it would be interesting to go back one year later and see how they navigated the unprecedented times and what they learned about themselves and their people when faced with such challenging issues. This episode explores their mindsets, their strategies, and their successes and failures as leadership was tested. I will reintroduce each of the five leaders before their segment on this episode. I believe you will find what they learned over the last year fascinating. So let's jump right in. Our first leader is Todd Gifford, the CEO of Therapeutic Associates. He had to make the the really tough decision of laying off people because they didn't qualify for the PPP loan right now uh they're almost back to normal levels uh which is encouraging and he he talks a lot about how uh he learned to communicate better with uh people throughout the company and he he said that if if people know the why and understand the reasoning of decisions that have to be made then you can push change much faster hi todd thanks for getting on the uh on the podcast today and gosh it's uh been one year since we talked before and uh a lot has happened i can uh, only imagine what you've been going through so thanks for coming on board and uh and let's kind of see what's changed
1: well thanks for having me steve it has been a long year
0: yes so i guess the uh you know the, the first question is when when i talked to you a year ago you know you had made the decision to keep the clinics open and and keep plugging away but you had to make some real reductions in, in staff and so on and so uh Um, how's the staff doing? Are you able to get back to kind of where you were before, as far as the staff goes, or did, did you lose some people along the way? What, what, what's, what's different now than it was uh, a year ago?
1: Yeah. When, uh, we first talked, I don't think, uh, I don't know the timing of when the PPP first announcements came out, but we, our company didn't qualify in the first set of rules that came out and probably a week or a week and a half after we talked, we laid off a lot of people. Just we needed to right size. We hit kind of a bottom of about 50% of our normal volumes across all of our clinics. So we laid off close to 250 people and reduced um, hours probably for another 50 more. Uh, But over the the last 12 months, we've uh, slowly hired people back and the people that were still available um you know that you know waited around or you know that we were able to rehire we did um and we're not quite to the same uh, staffing level or number of employees that we were ahead of the pandemic but we're getting close
0: yeah that that's that's really interesting i'm sure it was hard to to make that decision i mean you know looking back on it now that you've been through it um probably had a few sleepless nights with uh with making those decisions
1: Yeah, and again, I think it was the right decision for us. We didn't know, uh, you know, I know some companies furloughed people. We um, decided just to layoffs, and, uh, you know, there was programs out there for people to get unemployment that would help them through it, and we just didn't know when we would be able to hire people back, so we did did layoffs. It was tough, um, but, you know, I think... Uh, again, I think I told you this when we talked a year ago. We uh, we were just uh, tried to be transparent with what and why we were doing things, and um, you know I think we had developed trust with our people over time. And uh, there weren't, you know, there were just definitely some hard situations, but all in all, it's um, I think we've been able to get a lot of our people back, and things are going good now.
0: So what do you think, you know, over this year now, of all these tough decisions you had to make with the staff layoffs and doing some things, what have you learned over this last year that, um, um, you know, that that you can put your finger on, like, uh, what lessons did did you learn from?
2: You
1: know, before the pandemic, I think one of the ongoing struggles, or if people had to complain about our organization, it was... uh, communication at times and I you know we just really ramped up um, communication in multiple formats um, and we've kept that up to this day now we have a cadence of um, information that goes out and um, different venues that can people can get on you know we still do office hours for different topics and for different groups um, you know several a month. And then we, uh, you know, I do a monthly update, you know, at the height of the pandemic, I was doing things very frequently, but I do a monthly update to our entire company. And then we have uh, three or four others that go out every month too, from different people on different topics. So we've learned to communicate better and uh, we've really carried that forward. And then, you know, it forced us to make some really fast decisions and change how we operate. you know, there were things that we were working on for two or three years and, you know, uh, slowly moving to where we wanted to go. And uh, during the pandemic, we just had to fast track some things that in the in the long run will benefit us as a company. I think we also learned that, you know, people are, you know, if they know the why and they understand, um, you know, the reasoning behind we do we're doing certain things we can push change faster so hopefully you know if we you know if we communicate well and make a good case for things we need to do as a company to be prepared for the future will be we should be better off going forward
0: that's really interesting and and do you feel like the things that you're doing with with that communication and the, and the monthly update and so on is that something that you'll continue to do uh post pandemic uh you know we're we're getting to the point where, you know, maybe we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Is that something you you see value in going forward with?
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh, You know, um, I know you've had Julie Huffaker on your uh, podcast before, and I talked to her a little bit about this, even ahead of the pandemic, about communication and and how you use that and change. And I think she used the term surround sound, but um, for me that just, it's, uh, you know, some things people like an email, some things, People like to have an office hour where they can hear someone say it. So we're doing, we're sending the same information out in multiple things. If we have a if we have a um, office hours meeting on Teams, we record it, post it on SharePoint so people can go. You know, they can almost listen to it like a they would a podcast on their drive home if that's the best time for them to get that information. So we just we created um, now a, a system that allows us to get information out to the people that need it. So at, at this point, you know, hopefully if people need something, they'll be able to find it. Um, and we've just, you know, we've really upped our system game on our SharePoint site for employees so that they can find that information easier and they know where to look at they look for it and they know there's going to be stuff that comes out periodically. And that's, I, I see no reason for us to stop that. It's been a huge benefit. I think people feel more uh, connected to the company, which is what things we were trying to achieve even ahead of the pandemic is I think we're better at it now. We can always improve, but we're better at it.
0: And you've probably done a lot more Zoom calls than you ever thought you would uh, over the last year. Is is Zoom a, a medium and, and a, a meeting uh, structure that you, that you think will continue as well? Did you learn how to make that work?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean we're um, we're doing tons of teams, and then when they're really big meetings, we use uh, Zoom. But you know we've had calls with a hundred, you know, hundred people from our company on it for our you know fall management retreat, and I, I I hope that we'll maintain that in our mix of meetings. I think there's we still there's still a benefit to obviously getting together face to face and um, but I think we'll be able to do some things, maybe more touch points during the year that we uh, didn't do in the past because we always, you know, waited to give information out at kind of our bigger face-to-face meetings. But I think there's definitely a benefit to have a, a mix in there. But yeah, we use, you know, daily. I'm on, you know, whether it's one-to-ones or, you know, small groups, we're, we're gathering on, you know, virtual meetings a lot more. And it's, you know, in it's very effective you know it's things you used to do where you travel for a day for some meetings there's no reason why some of those can't be handled um on a on teams or zoom or some other virtual format
0: and what's your stance and what what are you going to do going forward as far as uh people working from home obviously uh uh, practitioners have to do more you know face-to-face hands-on type of things but more administrative staff and telehealth what 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 are your what are your thoughts on that
1: before uh the pandemic we had started experimenting with you know or we had a few people that worked remotely or a hybrid where they're in a few days worked at home i i see no reason for administrative offices on why we wouldn't continue that going forward i mean we have two big offices i have uh, between portland and seattle that house 60 people at our peak before the pandemic and uh you know we have a lot of space now that's not being used, but I think long-term, you know, the advantage is we can now have people work where they want to live. We can actually recruit people that maybe don't work in or live in Portland or Seattle, but have talents that we need. And so I, I, I to me, it's an opportunity. And I think we'll always have some, um, you know, I've been coming into work every day and there's people in our office that, the same thing just you know maybe may be easier for them to be in an office setting to get the things they want done but um, productivity really hasn't dropped with people working at home and i think a lot of the people we have are going to want to do some type of hybrid for the long run so we're going to support that going forward
0: and has your business uh, uh volume or, or revenue or or you know, uh, people c- coming in or, or using your services, has that returned back to uh, pre-pandemic uh, numbers yet, or, or are you still uh, still off of it?
1: Yeah, kind of benchmarking things against 2019. So, if, if, you know, if I look at the first quarter of 2019, we're with new patients, we're about flat. So it's about 100% of our 2019 numbers and visits were a little bit higher. Um, you know, and we've really been working on uh, developing more of a care team model. So some of our revenue is a little bit uh, better just because we're, uh, we're, you know, our visits are a little bit longer so the patients can do more of their exercises and stuff in our, our clinic. So, um, yeah, things are a little bit ahead of 2019 at this point, which is good. You know, uh, last year, the first couple months of the year we started out really Really strong uh, in January, and February. So, you know, if I compared it to the first two months of 2020, we're a little bit behind. And you know, I, uh, I, you know, you know, I'm a kind of a uh, like to look at data and numbers. So I, one thing I've been tracking is the age of our uh, patient, like our the buckets of charges by decade, patient ages. So you know, definitely still have some people over 60. Our our visits and uh, gross charges are not to the pre-pandemic levels. Uh, but interestingly and the other uh, group that's lower is you know teenagers just because uh, sports have been disrupted. but uh, you know people in their 20s were uh, our business is probably up uh, over 10 percent. so it's it's kind of shifted around a little bit um, but overall um, we're back to about 100 percent of 2019.
0: And when you look at this last year and how you've had uh, to manage through uh, something that I don't think anyone could have predicted, uh, what are the big uh, aha moments? What are the lessons that you've learned that you can that you can think can uh, help the business succeed more in the future?
1: Uh, I guess I appreciate more. You know, people in healthcare that work in these types of infectious environments, uh, you know, more than PTs do. I think it's probably, been, you know, if I was practicing right now, it'd be really hard to go in and put on a mask every day and work it like that. You know, i sure it take, took a long time for a lot of our providers to get used to that, and I, I know they probably look forward to that day when they don't have to wear them daily. Um, the other thing, I, I guess one of my biggest ahas, like, when I, we have a hospital contract, and uh, um, one of the things there is, I probably didn't appreciate the impact on both uh, providers in the hospital environment working with COVID patients, and also the impact on families not being able to have access to be with their loved ones. Um, We saw that in Southern California, our, our contract down there with Providence Um, And actually, when some of the surges this earlier this year, um, you know, we get paid based on our volumes of units and people were so sick that we weren't able to deliver care. So we worked with the hospital on a program to have our staff just be there to support um, the the other providers that were providing direct care. Because there were people, you know, because every time you went into a room, you had to change... PPE, you know, simple things like delivering food or, you know, warm blankets, some of those things were just difficult for providers to keep up with. And uh, we were able to create a system. Where we were able to support people and meet the basic needs of patients, but not necessarily uh, deliver you know, PT or OT in that setting. So there's just been some interesting things that, you know, you realize that the system's pretty fragile when you get into some of these complicated Um, situations like a pandemic.
0: I can only imagine. And how do you deal with uh, different perspectives of employees as we start, you know, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel? You know, some may view procedures and policies that you're doing in the clinic as maybe a little overkill, and they might not really agree with that, you know, with that approach. So how do you deal with... um, Uh, you know, doing what's, what's required and what you feel is necessary to protect the staff and patients.
1: Yeah. And I think that, yeah, I think that's just where communication has been important that, um, you know, we, we have urban and rural settings and, you know, you have patients that are coming in that don't want to wear a mask anymore. And, uh, you know, our providers and front office people put in a position where they have to enforce the rules and even some things that they may not agree with, but that's just the, those are some of the things that we have to follow at this point in time, and just have to explain that to patients. So, yeah, I just, that's been part of my communication is just, you know, um, trying to stay up with what's going on in the public, and then just encouraging our staff to look at all different perspectives that may walk through their door. Um, you know, and know that everybody walking through has their own kind of story of how they're dealing with things, and. We just have to have conversations with them so that there's mutual agreement on how we have to handle things in our clinics.
0: I can imagine that that's uh, that's a tough position for a front office person to deal with, with if somebody comes in without a mask and doesn't feel they need to wear a mask, and you know, it's it's all about customer service and making the person feel welcome. Yet you have to take the stance. Uh, can't be easy for sure.
1: Yeah. So we have new tools. You know, with telehealth, we can offer. Those types of services, or we have, you know, if someone really, you know, or even if they have a medical condition or they, you know, can't wear a mask, we try to be flexible and have them come in at the beginning of the day or late in the day when fewer other patients are around. So that, because it really comes down to it might not be that there's necessarily a rule against them being there, but it's the perceptions of everybody in the clinic uh, that, you know, may not understand everything being involved. So we try to be flexible um, in meeting the needs of uh, patients that have special conditions or their needs around uh, wearing masks specifically.
0: It's, it's hard to think of anything good when you think of uh, the pandemic that this entire country, well, the entire world is is going through and still going through having said that though is there any silver lining that that you can see that uh uh you know at, at the end of it all or, or getting near the end of it uh, is there any silver lining that you can identify um yeah
1: from a business standpoint i i you know like i said earlier i think it's you know we've learned that we can change faster and um, tolerate that when we make a case and you know we can always things better so kind of that rapid change has something we've been working on but um i think we've just learned that we can do that and uh support that with really good communication you know from a personal standpoint or just society it's you know because everybody that all of our employees have personal lives it's things outside of work it's just been interesting we always try to do uh you know um kind of these icebreakers at the beginning of Of meetings to level set everybody and uh, we did had one recently just you know what are things that they look forward to on a daily basis and it was interesting just you know family time is uh, a big thing I know you know when I had younger kids we always tried to make an effort to have family dinner or we had a you know Friday or Saturday night movie and uh, pizza night and I just see that with uh, especially with younger families that having that time so my hope is that the the family dinner, uh, continues to be something that, you know, just cause sports aren't as big a thing or, you know, aren't taking up as much time. So there's more time for those types of things for people to be involved in. So hopefully some of those things will continue because people have seen the value of that time with one another.
0: Yeah, that uh, definitely, that's something that, uh, you know, we can all uh, appreciate for sure because, uh, Uh, I think we as as humans sometimes take things for granted and and you know seeing uh relatives uh seeing uh grandparents things like that you know probably took for granted a little bit before this and all of a sudden when you when you couldn't do it or it wasn't safe to do it it definitely uh put us in positions of uh of wow it, it, it was great loss and and especially for those elderly people um uh, some of them didn't understand it as much and it was really hard for them to deal with you know why can't I see my grandkids and why can't I get together with family got to be really yeah. hard Yeah. and Todd I'm curious too I know that you have an executive staff that works very well together and they've been together a long time but have you noticed any differences of uh, having gone through a crisis like this together or has it bonded you in different ways or are you working uh, together in, in different ways than before
1: yeah I mean I, we have a really good team um, and uh, you know we have communicated we you know during the pandemic especially earlier we're communicating a lot more frequently and we continue to you know work together and I think yeah uh, you know, we're just trying to do things where we're uh, communicating what's going on and working on projects across our different departments so it I think it really has brought us together. Um, I think I said this when I talked to you a year ago, just uh, these types of situations really bring a focus. And um, I know one of the things we've really been striving to do in the last few years is to do fewer things better. Just, you know, there's a lot of great ideas out there, but we have to say no to some of those. And uh, really trying to focus on the things that we can do uh, both for the short-term and long-term that will help us improve. So that means, you know, just uh, again, maybe doing fewer, initiatives, but really focusing on doing the ones we're working on well.
0: Well, Todd, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Uh, You know, I have to admit, I felt a little guilty that uh, I thought often in this last year, boy, I'm sure glad I'm not the CEO of the company right now. So you were in the hot seat and you had a lot of uh, decisions to make and a lot of things of, of not knowing what to do since this is all so new but it sounds like uh, you came out of it pretty good and I'm talking like it's over. I know it's still going on. So um, I just really appreciate you sharing with us uh, all, all that you did this last year and what you've learned. And uh, uh, as I said, I can only imagine how difficult that may be. So I admire you for still being optimistic and, and and feeling like uh, things are, things are going to be okay.
1: Thanks Steve. Yeah, yeah, there is a lot to be optimistic about. And with the vaccines, there's just a lot of hope then in- things will continue to improve over the for a few months. So we've learned a lot. And uh, anyway, I appreciate that uh, your time today.
0: Okay, Todd, thanks so much. And uh, we'll see you down the road. All right, thanks, Steve. Our next leader is Dan Anderson. He is a physical therapist that works in a retirement community and was working with the most vulnerable population during this pandemic. He said that his staff and the entire staff of the facility took the threat very seriously, which enabled them to protect their people. He also states that leadership matters. You just can't do this on your own. And together as a group, they just kind of figured it out as they went along. He also stated that what he learned during COVID has made him a better physical therapy caregiver. Hi, Dan. Great to have you back on the program uh, one year later. Uh, and wow, what a year, huh?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of wild.
0: It. Uh feels like a a
3: lifetime ago I was talking to you last.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So just fill us in, uh, you know, again, just to remind the listeners, you work in a retirement community, you have 500 residents, uh, you have uh, uh, medical facilities there, uh, you have assisted living, skilled nursing facility, uh, and then independent living as well. So uh, you know, the last year's been, you've seen it from the front lines because you're essentially working with the most vulnerable population uh, to, to the virus. So uh, uh, there, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, tension and a lot of uh, a lot of effort to try and make sure this didn't run rapid in your facility.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we just uh, took it very serious very early and, um, you know, our building specifically was, um, really quite lucky when you look at, um, our COVID numbers and how we did and how few cases we had. And, um, but, uh, but, you know, and we're still not out of it either. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
0: that's true. And, And, and what, what do you attribute, you know, because, uh, you know, not too far from your facility, you know, in miles, uh, was the epicenter of this whole thing that wiped out, you know, almost, a. An entire uh, retirement home. So, what uh, what do you think your your facility did right, and why did you have such few uh, few cases?
3: Well, I think there's a couple of things. One, our facility is a closed facility, meaning we, you know, um, we only do therapy and you know skilled nursing care, and assisted living, or memory care for um, our already current residents. So, once you get into our facility, then You know, as an independent living resident, then you have access to those cares. But we aren't taking people straight from the hospital or uh, straight out of the community that are already in um, in those troubles. So I think that one, our building is set up in a way that you know uh, allows us to close off from the community a little bit easier. But you know, and it's you know, you like to think, oh yeah, we it's because we did all the right things and we all wore our PPE and we all made good decisions when we were at home and washed our hands. And, you know, I think a lot of buildings did that. Um, I think, uh, we also, um, had some good luck on our side and I don't know why we were so lucky, but we'll take it.
0: So what do you think that uh, you've learned over the last year? Um, you know, through, uh, through this pandemic, what, what, what did you have any, aha moments or or learn something that just um uh, uh, you know is really significant
3: um i think the, the biggest thing for me is uh, just that you know we really can't do this on our own you know and it's uh you know i think uh you really need a a, a collective group and um and uh leadership matters a lot and it's you know not necessarily you know you don't you don't need great leadership all the time but when something happens like with this year we've had um you know it, it it it's everything
0: and and what about the staff i mean it's uh again you know you're in a facility where the tension had to be high all year long and the and the fear i'm sure was there uh, how did the staff uh, handle it, and and how are they today now because of it?
3: Yeah, I think we all we all kind of handled it in our own ways. I think uh, um, some people were better at it, and um, I, I think some people. I think we all had our moments where we were doing really well, and so when when we all had our moments when we weren't maybe doing so well, and I think making sure that when we weren't doing well that we were lean in on some of the others that were in a stronger place. Cause we all kind of went through the journey and, uh, you know, I don't think anyone was there as the rock the whole time. And, uh, so, you know, together we, we, we could have, we could figure it
0: out. Yeah. I can only imagine. I mean, what about the, you know, a lot of people talk about the, uh, the fatigue of just, you know, day after day, uh, just you know, fighting a fighting a, a foe, you know that you can't see, and it's just uh, you know. I heard a lot about that. Did did you sense that personally, and did you see that in in people in the in your uh, retirement community?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think we you know we came together um, as a team, and I think the 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 really strong relationships got even stronger, and the relationships that were maybe. Struggling, I think, struggled more. It's kind of like the whole, the whole thing, everything is
0: amplified. Yeah, and how? And one thing that I, I think is is interesting is just that that I know that you had to do some things to support those residents that were sick or had loved ones that were sick, and they didn't have the support of their family. So, you know, you as a director of the physical therapy or director of the rehab department had to basically. Uh, do things from a caregiver perspective that uh, isn't in your uh, job description on the day to day as much.
3: Yeah, I think uh, I think when you when when family can't come in and see their um, their family members and their their aging parents and some in some cases their you know dying parents they uh, they definitely you they you have to communicate. And I I think all of us uh, in in different roles and um, in that facility really had to make sure that we were communicating to the families because, you know, uh, sometimes they couldn't lay eyes on how they're doing. And and it makes all of those little, it makes some of these smaller things that, you know, uh, these much bigger problems where, you know, someone was, if someone is showing some decline and, you know, Oftentimes, a family member will come in and they see it immediately, and they go, "Okay, yes, I agree. Let's see what we can do." But if they can't come in and see that, then they're taking our word on the fact that their you know loved one is you know dementia is progressing or they're uh, you know we have to try and make these changes. And so these family members are relying on our communication and you know maybe zoom calls or care conferences to to make, you know, big, heavy, sometimes end of life decisions, and um, I think it's just it, it came down to we you really have to rely on that communication, and I think that was uh, th- and that made our jobs more more challenging. But I think in the, in in the long run, I think it, it's it's making me, it's going to make me a better therapist, a better director, just being pushed and challenged in that way
0: yeah it's really interesting you say that because this is what I'm hearing from everyone on this episode is that they really have learned how to communicate uh, better uh be more transparent be more regular be more intentional uh, you know it's just uh, communication is everything in leadership and I think uh, this really exemplifies how important that really is
3: yeah and I think you know it was it was also apparent how important communication to my staff was to I think uh one I needed them to communicate to me on how they're doing where they were at and then also you know um my communication to them in letting them know you know uh where where I'm at and how I'm doing and then also where the company's at and you know um is their job safe? Is there, you know, uh, those things? And I think it, it being super open and communicating and talking about it a lot. Um, and, you know, I think that made a big difference. And uh, I, yeah, I think, I think it, it, it really cemented it this year that, oh yeah, that communication is everything on that.
0: And what do you think you're doing now in your facility or with your staff uh, that that you're going to keep doing that that's different than before uh, COVID hit?
3: I get more out of my staff when I show vulnerability because I had to this year. And so, um, and so I, I think that's something that I will, uh, you know, hopefully take with me for the rest of my, you know, life and career is just that, you know, showing, telling people where you're at and being okay with telling them where you're at and not having to put on this, you know, armor and shield, uh, actually, it actually, I could see them almost, you know, take a breath and just be more comfortable knowing that, Oh yeah. You know, my boss is going through it too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, and what, uh, as you said earlier, you know, we're not over it yet. We're still dealing with it and you still have to be careful yeah. and, Although all of your residents are vaccinated now, I think is that correct?
3: uh yeah, I think we're at ninety seven point eight percent or something yeah you know a very very high number yeah
0: so what is the facility done uh now? is our uh, families uh, able to come in and and visit their loved ones now, or is it still quite restricted
3: um it is restricted still we're you know, still following the CDC and state guidelines there, uh, you know, the family members who are vaccinated have, um, you know, the ability to come in pretty much any time. Uh, but there are still some restrictions, uh, especially in our, um, skilled nursing facility still, but, you know, it's, uh, just this last two weeks, you know, walking, uh, walking into the building and seeing, uh, you know, an exercise class go on uh, in, the, in the main big room with, you know, 10 to 15 residents all spread out. But, you know, seeing things like that and then uh, having the residents come out of their rooms a little bit more to do dining. And um, it's, we are starting to see the, these changes and it's really, I mean, it really has started this last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I think that's amazing when you think at, you know, that population and how much they probably looked forward to the dining experience with their, their friends and other residents. And then to just have that taken away, um, one, I'm sure it was uh, isolating and, and depressing, but also some cognitively probably just couldn't understand why why it changed. And so I'm, I'm sure that was a yeah. a difficult part to deal with.
3: Yeah, and you definitely, I mean, even... Um, you know there's there's definitely that that's apparent and they know that you know oh I miss doing this or I miss being there but you know um, there's a lot of things that you don't even really think about it's just you know when when someone is struggling with dementia or struggling with their cognition and their processing and their language and if you if you then limit how many times they're having conversations, how many times they're, you know, uh, looking at a menu and ordering off that menu and having conversations with people. And, you know, uh, all of that stuff is keeping their brain active and keeping them from declining. And so, you know, uh, it's, it's not just that they miss it. It's like they, they actually are getting it, it, Physi- physiologically affects affected those residents significantly, and we saw it, and it, it, it's it was tough to see for sure.
0: Yeah. So what you're saying is not you know they may not have contracted vi- uh, the virus, but they certainly uh, went downhill physically and mentally because of the the isolation and the new rules that had to be implemented.
3: Yeah. No. No question. And uh, yeah. So I mean that's and and I think you know every facility across the you know nation in the world uh, felt that exact same effects whether they had covid in their building or not
0: yeah that's that's amazing so uh, how has this uh, new zoom culture changed you <laughs> are you sick of it or do you think it's a it's a pretty effective medium what what did you learn uh, using zoom more than you've ever uh, thought you were going to
3: There's been some helpful points in the fact that we have more people in our care conferences, meaning if we have one, you know, we have the resident uh, and a care conference with our, you know, social services and our head nurse and our dietitian and then myself, the rehab director. um, But then we also might have, you know, three or four family members on a Zoom call that might be spread out across the country, which I think we will probably continue to do that and add those in uh, long after we need to because um, I I just think it makes sense to have the the family members see their mom or see their dad or, you know, um, so that uh, I think that's helpful.
0: And has there been, uh, you know, as far as the staff and this, uh, I'm talking facility-wide, was there any fallout, um, you know, due to what, what had to be done uh, during the pandemic? Uh, you know, is, is there just uh, some people that uh, that you lost and, and just couldn't, um, you know, come to the facility and work and, and their lives just changed radically enough that they um, weren't part of the team anymore?
3: Um, I haven't seen a lot of that. I mean, one of the things that um, about, you know, working where I did is we – you know our residents never left and so we you know we our our staff and facility staff didn't have to um really you know scale down what they had to do was adapt and change a lot um but uh yeah i mean we had we had a, a lot of staff members that you know got covid or were exposed to covid through their families and um you know uh, some of those had you know there's there's a lot of um individual stories and varying levels of concern with all of that
0: so do you think uh can you identify any silver lining anything that uh you know no one would choose to go through this but since you did is there uh something good that came out of it
3: uh i mean i think it's i think it's really hard to see any kind of silver lining whatsoever when it comes to looking at the residents you know i just think the the residents struggled and and this year you know was was hard on them and i think that uh, they they got they they kind of got a year taken away when um when they maybe don't have many years left and uh, yeah. so so i think it's really hard to find that i think as far as me personally and i i i wouldn't speak for my staff, but i think probably some of my staff as well as uh, i think i've grown as a as a person as a leader and as a you know a contributor to this you know community and society uh and so I think I will have a better skill set for whatever comes my way in the you know the years to come but um but I don't know it's hard to find anything with those residents that you know
0: yeah absolutely so uh someday when you're sitting around uh talking to your grandkids uh what are you going to tell them about the year 2020 (laughs) i don't know we
3: wore masks and it wasn't very fun but we got through it
0: (laughs) yeah it's just it's, it's weird weird to think about that because you know as as humans there's uh, significant things in our lives that define us and and uh you know we'll remember forever yeah. and uh you know whether it's not 9-11 or or whatever huge event i mean this has got to go down as is the one that uh, you know we lived through this and and again i'm talking like it's over and i know it's not over but uh you know it's just one of those years that um, gosh um, it changed a lot of things and and uh, made us uh, dig deep a lot of times. And it's something that uh, uh, we're never going to forget. And we'll be telling people that, uh, you know, weren't weren't here during the, these years because they're not around yet, but uh, they'll, they'll hear about it from yeah. their elders. Yeah.
3: And I, you know, I think uh, any time you go, go through something um, uh, challenging, you know, for, for me in my life, it's been, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, playing tennis in college or getting through PT school or um, or now this group that we've gone through this pandemic with is um, what I've found is that the people in my life that I've gone through really challenging and hard stuff with are the people who end up being you know my kind of core friends for life and I think one of the things that you know when you talk about silver lining I think. you know, I've had, there's some relationships with, uh, people and coworkers in in our facility that, uh, I will, you know, um, have and cherish for the rest of
0: my life. Well, Dan, uh, are you, are you optimistic for the future? I mean, does it feel like, uh, I'm sure you went through some times where it was just like, gosh, uh, what can we hope for? What's gonna, what's gonna be, can we look forward to? But, uh, uh now we can see the light at the end of the end of the tunnel. Does that feel optimistic to you?
3: uh totally i yeah this last um you know i, I think once once that uh second vaccine dose went in my heart <laughs> ever since I've just felt like every day is a little better than the last uh so i I really do feel that uh that kind of uplifting energy and then like I said walking in the building and seeing a you know, the workout classes going again and seeing, the, um, you know, the residents gather in small groups to play cards and, you know, seeing them sit at the front with the fireplace and, you know, more groups walking outside together. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely coming, uh, coming back to life. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of uh, uh, appropriate that it's happening at this time of year. Cause it's kind of like, you know, the flowers are coming out and like everything is kind of coming back to life right
0: now. Yeah, yeah that's great. Well, Dan, thank you so much for, um, you know, all you do to protect that, as I said earlier, that vulnerable population, because boy, they sure needed, uh, people who cared about them and people who really buckled down and, and put in a lot of extra time and effort and, and, uh, and protected them because, um, as we know, uh, they could have been wiped out. So it's, uh, you know, I wouldn't you know, I, I don't take that lightly and I don't think others that really understand what you do in those facilities does. So uh, you know, congratulations to you and your team for uh, you know, being there for them and getting through it.
3: Yeah. Well thanks. I mean I think you know, um for me it was just uh waking up and showing up.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks, Dan. Uh, yeah. I appreciate you uh, talking with me today and uh, hopefully uh, uh, things will continue to improve and uh, we can look back and reflect and learn some things from this crazy year. But uh, I think we can all agree that uh, we're going to applaud it when uh, when we're totally back to to, the, uh, to normal and, and this pandemic is behind us. So thanks for uh, talking with us today and, uh, and take care.
3: Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me back.
0: Okay. See you, Dan. But our next leader is cynthia gormazano she is a physical therapist owner director and has a business in manhattan which as you know was uh, one of the epicenters of this whole pandemic over the last year she talks about how she learned how to market and build relationships in new ways she also believes that telehealth is here to stay and she just said it was a year of lots of uh, bonding and team building And surprisingly enough, she even took the opportunity to start a new nonprofit over this last year. Cynthia, welcome back to the program. My gosh, what a year it has been. Uh, We just talked a year ago about uh, the pandemic. uh, COVID-19 hit, and we had so many unanswered questions, and there was a lot of fear. And now, uh, one year later, I guess the good news is you're still in business, I presume. And so... (laughs) let's just kind of talk about uh, what you've been through and how things are different. So uh, uh, can you sum up the last year in a nutshell or is it uh, too hard?
2: Hi Steve. Thanks for having me back. It's really extraordinary to look back a year ago. It does feel like just yesterday in a way nothing has changed and everything has changed.
0: Um, So, So expand on that a little bit. What do you mean, uh, Uh, nothing has changed, and then everything has changed. So explain what you mean by that.
2: Well, thankfully, I am still in business, for sure. Um, We had to make some very difficult decisions, whether to keep some offices open, move some locations. Um, So we made strategic moves. Some were good, and some I wish I didn't make. The business model we have still depends on marketing, relationship building, connecting, reaching out to patients. The way it's changed is we've incorporated telehealth very successfully. We've been able to keep engaged our client base and our referral base and our communities. So in that way, we've done better and we've expanded, especially reaching out via social media and patient education and offering like online workout classes For each different population, whether it's the pregnant population, dance population, the the geriatric population. So that's been nice. While the therapists aren't full caseload, some of the therapists have offered Zoom classes and, and the patients have responded really well. So those are the things that's gotten better. So nothing stayed, nothing changed in the fact that we're still running our business the same and in different that we've offered more services and learned the power of. Communicating directly with patients.
0: Now I know that you had transitioned from, you know, seeing patients in the clinic to telehealth uh, quickly, and I think you you did a lot of that early on. Is that still a a, a big part of your practice? As it as it's uh, are your therapists intermingling the on-site treatments with telehealth? Tell us about how that that looks now compared to uh, what it was a year ago.
2: Absolutely, we transitioned even before we shut down because there were some patients that left the city early before the city was shut down. And we offered it right away. Um, then we, there was about a three week to four week period where we were brick and mortar shut down and only doing telehealth, aside from post-op hand patients that needed splinting and to be seen right away. Now we've incorporated, every therapist has a few telehealth patients on their caseload during the week. Um and if patients, you know, with school still being online, parents of school aged children are staying in second homes. So we've been able to keep them on program. And even therapists who have school aged children, it's very hard to be in the clinic five days a week. So there are some therapists who we've made we've made accommodations for to be able to work two days a week at home while their kids are home. It's been a trying time as a manager to manage those kinds of lifestyle changes that have happened, especially for the the working mom of young school-aged kids, myself included.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. And so do you think telehealth is going to be a big part of your practice going forward? Or do you think it uh, uh, will continue to be a smaller part like perhaps it was before?
2: Well, actually, we never really had telehealth before. It was not a part of our practice at all. So I definitely see a place in it, especially for the crazy, busy New Yorker, who doesn't wanna leave their desk for lunch or step out of the office for an hour, I think we can offer that as an adjunct. Don't leave your desk, let's review your exercises, let's review your posture, let's review your workstation. So it's a really good adjunct for patients like that. And also when you go out of town to not miss your exercises, especially for postdoc patients or patients who are super busy. So I, telehealth is definitely here to stay and it's a wonderful adjunct to in the clinic care. There's a place for it. You know, there's a lot you can do through Zoom and through telehealth. It, it's really extraordinary, especially in the education side.
0: Yeah, that's great. Now, a year ago when I talked to you, you went on and on about the unbelievable staff that you had and how uh, impressed you were with them and how they've helped you build this business and how worried you were about keeping them together. So uh, a year later, uh, did you keep them together? Are, are most of them still there or did you have, um, have a big fallout?
2: We, most of them are still there. We had organic transitioning of patients, of therapists. Like two got engaged, one moved to California and one went back to his old position. So we lost like, uh, we, lost, uh, we lost five PTs. We have replaced two and we're in the process now of hiring another one. I think by the end of, the, by the, probably by the end of spring, Beginning of summer, we'll be able to read all of those positions. But we are down; our census is down about twenty-five percent, I would say. But each week that passes, we're climbing. This week has shown tremendous uptick in calls and new evals scheduling, and I think that that's a result of New York's high vaccination rate, people becoming more confident. Uh, We are still employing social distancing and one hundred percent mask wearing. And New York has been very vigilant about that. New Yorkers are, you walk around the street, everybody's wearing double masks. Everybody. And uh, New Yorkers are really, it's an interesting breed, even though a lot of us have been vaccinated. And even if the CDC says all vaccinated people can take off their masks, people are not removing their masks. Uh, it's an interesting thing.
0: Interesting. Yeah. And what about your staff? Are Our- you know, I can remember early on when we talked last year that, that some were very afraid of, of you know, being in the clinic and treating patients and so on. Is there still some fear with them, or do you think they've, uh, um, you know, figured out what it takes to, to be safe and they're okay with that?
2: Um, all of our professional staff is now vaccinated. There is definitely still a level of anxiety and fear. A lot of our staff got COVID. I would say... Um, Probably 80% of our staff got COVID. More wow. got it than students. A lot of them got it. It was rampant in New York in the beginning. And then still, people's friends were getting it. Friends, family, family of friends, boyfriends, girlfriends. So we even as recently as like two months ago, we had staff infected. So it's, it was definitely a problem. Yeah. Um,
0: and even in your own family, you had uh, experiences mm, with that as well. Yes,
2: my husband is definitely one of those long haulers. I oh, is, no, really? Yep, oh. It's fascinating to watch, but he's doing cardiopulmonary rehab, and he has to continue vigorously and consistently working through his symptoms. But it's real, it's it's really, um, it's present. Oh my gosh. But I do think that therapists, like their personalities before, People who are who tend to be more anxious are still anxious. People who are more cautious are more cautious. And people who don't feel the the need to worry don't, you know. Very young, healthy people are just like, I'll be okay. But a lot of people have had it already, so they've gotten over it.
0: Wow. And, you know, I put you on the spot here a little bit, but you know, from my left field observation, it seems like you really went above and beyond for your staff and kept people on and kept salaries going and doing things that had them in mind, uh, f- at the forefront. And, uh, do you feel like they've appreciated what you've done? Do you feel like they've, they've, um, uh, they've seen what you've done and, and, um, and feel good about, uh, uh, your extra effort in that area?
2: Absolutely. In New York, a lot of my staff had friends who lost their jobs as PTs, especially in the outpatient clinics. A lot of people downsized. A lot of people let people go. There was only one week where I had to freeze salaries before we knew the PPP was coming, and I didn't have any cash flow, and I didn't have enough money in the bank, so I missed half of a pay cycle. So we get paid every two weeks. I missed half of one cycle. But when we got the PPP money and we started increasing our telehealth, I reimbursed everybody that week missed, and we kept salaries going. People who made a, over a hundred were reduced down to a hundred. And when our cash flow was really low, we I think we reduced salaries for a month by 20%. So we had two pay cycles where it was still reduced. And now a year later I've paid everybody back the um the cut.
0: Yeah that's that's great. And how do you feel how is the team now? Are they stronger than ever? Do you think it was a, a, a bonding situation in a way of going through a crisis like that together?
2: It, it really was bonding. I think that it's a very cohesive group. We've had a lot of team building via Zoom, and we've created a nonprofit. And when the Black Lives Matter movement was happening at its peak, I have like I have five African American pts which is an enormous percentage of pts when you think about our profession being like three percent absolutely yeah minority yeah. and we created a nonprofit to reach out to youth in communities of color to engage them in stem professions and we created a two-tier program it's really amazing that's awesome 501c program yeah. we've gotten grants and we're doing sports performance training for kids in communities of color that wouldn't have the means to afford professional training. And Alvin, who's the director of our sports performance center, has really done an amazing job reaching out. And these kids are so motivated by him. And and it's not just professional development, it's mental development, it's motivation, it's guiding them, mentoring them in general. And then we also developed mentorship for kids in PT school to prep them for interviewing and writing resumes and mentoring them as they embark on their professional journey.
0: Wow. that So it's two tiers. That's impressive. I mean, here's a situation where, you know, most people are just thinking about how to keep their own boat afloat and, and looking after their own skin and whatever. And you and, you and your team went and created uh, an outreach opportunity in the community. That, that's impressive, Cynthia. Wow.
2: It was really, what was nice was that the community wanted to help. So now they're donating and they're, we're matching patients to kids. So it pays for their training for three months. It pays, for, you know, so the time that they, they're working on Saturdays and Sundays, the therapists get paid for their time and the kids are getting free training.
0: So when you look back over this crazy year that we've had, what, what do you, what, what's one of the biggest lessons you've, you've learned?
2: <laughs> um, first of all, when, when big things happen, Never react emotionally. Work really hard to stay calm. Do nothing reflexively. You just need patience to see where things are going to go. Right? Things, every day, still now, right? We see changes every day. Back in early March, when New York was really a frightening place to just walk outside, it became frightening. I think to just keep your wits about you and staying calm and not being emotional. I, I was very charged. I was very nervous. I was very anxious when I didn't know if I'd be able to keep my business open. So I think just staying calm and staying present is something I learned serves you well. Just to have faith, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now you have school aged kids, so um <laughs> how did how did they fare? Are they are are you still talking to each other or <laughs> is it uh too much time together.
2: My 13 year old son is a PT in the making. He's just turned towards exercise and a very rigid exercise program. So he's been really motivating to watch, makes me get up and work out with him. He's really funny. Um, we all are still talking to each other, but it's challenging, especially in the beginning when I was trying to figure out how to maintain synergy. My husband was in our apartment in the city by himself battling COVID. And I was with the kids trying to transition my 10-year-old onto Zoom and managing the banks and PPP and the staff. I don't know. I didn't even know what my kids were doing. I really, they were up till 2 in the morning. I don't know. But we came through it. We got through. We're almost ending the second year of the academic year. You know, we're almost at summer. But they've come through. They're doing well. And we've calmed down. We've built a system. My son goes to school two days a week. My daughter is in fifth grade, so she goes to school five days a week. And we've managed. It's not easy, though, especially with my younger one. She's really developed an intense anxiety. She doesn't want to not take the mask off. She's very anxious about everything, about the world. So that's been very challenging. The younger kids really took a hit. You know, like they don't see their friends. Again, New Yorkers are very vigilant. So no one is socializing at all. So it's, it's a lot. To be alone without your friends, and that's the unfortunate price that these kids are paying.
0: Yeah, so hard, so hard. So so going through this last year that you did, has your vision and ideas of uh, your your company changed? Have you um, got a different kind of long term uh, strategy that, that than you had before?
2: It's a good question. It solidified my long term plans. let's say that. I know that we're resilient and I know we're a strong company. We took a hit by like 20, 30%, but we're, I can see that our base is there. Our foundation is strong. So we we had a slide off for sure, but it's ramping back up very, very consistently, slowly and consistently. And yeah, we opened a place in Queens now. We're talking about our next moves. We're talking about merging with another company who's very similar to mine a one office operation with the owner and one other PT and she wants to merge with us. So that's an exciting conversation and we're capable, right? We have a good team. So we've definitely turned our attention to growth and how to maintain and how to expand our reach. So Same vision, just keep going.
0: Yeah. So, you know, again, uh, a year ago uh, we looked at, out front of what was to come, and, you know, there's a lot of fear and a lot of unknown. Uh, a year later now, is there any silver lining? Is, is there any silver lining that you can identify um, having gone through this crisis? The
2: silver lining is knowing that we got we overcame something very challenging, and we made it through to know that we were tested and we passed the test. So it gives us confidence navigating the waters of the future. For sure, I have confidence in all of our ability especially each of the directors of each location. They've all proven to be resilient. Their talents really, they were able to shine. I mean, one of the offices took the opportunity to really, to really gel her team together. Another office, she didn't stop for one second. One office actually made a profit this year in a big, big way. She didn't have a drop-off at all. She drove her team hard. I mean, in the month of March, she did, but then they came back, and they were consistently reaching out to their referred physicians, and their numbers didn't drop at all, which is extraordinary, so one of the six she is the powerhouse of that one and and she inspires me, you know she was amazing, really impressive
0: so uh so that's a yeah, so here we are uh you know and uh Almost in April of uh, 2021, and, um, you know, is it, uh, what's your, what's your, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is what's your outlook, what's your, uh, what's your gut? I'm
2: so optimistic. That's great. I'm really optimistic. I was in the clinic today, and I did my workout in the office. Everybody's vaccinated now. All the patients that came in were vaccinated. All the therapists and staff in that office are vaccinated. It feels more secure. It feels more safe. The streets are busier. There's traffic in New York City. It feels like there's a very strong uptick. And and the phone calls. I heard the phone ringing nonstop. And there were inquiries online. We even got an international inquiry. So our social media has had a strong pull. It was a performance training request for Alvin. And it was a European um, professional athlete that saw Alvin's feed and heard about us in Europe, which is like inspiring. So our reach is there. We're having an influence and I feel really optimistic about the next year. Yeah. That's, I mean, one of the moves that we had to do, we had an office in the financial district. I mean, I'm sure you've read the news. A lot of companies are not requiring their staff to come back to the office. And that primarily affects locations like grand central and the financial district. We did make a decision to walk away from a new office that we built a year and a half ago because I just didn't feel the future was going to be there. And instead of staying in that neighborhood and hoping for it to return, we cut our losses and moved that office back up to Midtown West. So I took another floor in my, my first location, my flagship in the same building as my flagship location. And we opened the performance center on 57th Street And and moved back uptown. And while I took a loss in the short term, I think it was a better move in the long term. And I can see that even in the news yesterday, there was a whole article that banks and law firms aren't requiring their staff to come back to the offices and predominantly affects the neighborhood like financial district, Wall Street, and I felt Confident that I made the right decision after I read that article.
0: Yeah, that's a perfect example of just uh, the openness to change. Because as, as we can predict, uh, the one thing we can predict is that things aren't going to be exactly the same. That things are going to change. So sometimes you have yeah, to. Yeah, I mean,
2: it was scary. Yeah. It was scary to walk away from a huge security deposit and the investment I made in the build out there. But sometimes you have to cut your losses. Uh, look, still today, there's nobody downtown. You walk the streets in Wall Street. Normally, you have to fight for shoulder space walking a sidewalk. The subways are empty ish, and the streets are really empty. And the reason we moved down there to begin with was because of the volume of the sheer volume of people. But that's just not the case anymore. So I'm, I'm happy we made that decision. Yeah. And um, it's going well. Good.
0: Well, Cynthia, I, I really uh, thank you for jumping back on with us after a year and kind of filling us in on on what the experiences you've had. And, and I think that the word I heard a lot, which uh, I'm identifying with is resiliency. Uh, sounds like your staff really stepped up and you as a team came together. So I'm glad to hear you're, you're heading on and, and have uh, optimism for the future. And uh, I just wish you the best of luck. It definitely has been a trying time for everyone.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, Steve. Thank you. Your, um, your advice has always been helpful. Your guidance is always helpful.
0: Awesome, thank, Thanks. thank you, Cynthia. Take care, and uh, we'll see you down the road.
2: Okay, bye.
0: Due to the length of this episode, I decided to split it up into Part One and Part Two. This concludes Part One, and Part Two with two more leaders, Drew Bosson and Teresa Marco, will be available next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Profiles in Leadership. To listen to all my interviews, subscribe to Profiles in Leadership with Steve Anderson on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and many other popular podcast platforms. Some of these interviews are on video, and you can search YouTube for Profiles in Leadership with Steve Anderson. You can also access the entire library of interviews on my website, Orange.coaching.com, and that is orange the word, and go to the Media Center and click on Podcasts or Video Gallery. You can also enter the website from pilpodcast.com.